Our first message this afternoon is from Mr. Ken Barton. It is entitled, What Does God Mean? Jealous. Good afternoon. I want you guys to think about something, and, and men and ladies. When it comes time to celebrate your significant, you know, your girlfriend, boyfriend, husband, wife's birthday, I want you to try something. I want you to say, hey, you know, before I met you, I was dating this person. I really love you, and I want to celebrate your birthday. I'm going to celebrate it on that birthday that my other person had. It's his or her birthday, but I'm celebrating it for you because I love you. Okay? Think it'll work? So what does God mean, jealous? We just celebrated the Passover and days of unleavened bread. Meanwhile, the mainstream Christians, as they're generally called, have just celebrated Lent and Easter. <clears throat> Easter's something that we have a problem with, and they don't understand why. Easter or Passover, celebrating Jesus' birth on Christmas, or even on some other day. I mean, we're worshiping God, right? We're celebrating the birth of, and or the death and crucifixion and resurrection of, Jesus, the Christ. What difference at this point does it make? As former mainstream worshipers, I will tell you that at one time, we pretty much figured the same thing. <clears throat> and we had heard about the Sabbath. Thankfully, as I've mentioned before, we met Matt Steele. And as he and Glenda worked together, discussed some of these things, God blessed us and he opened our eyes and we started actually understanding some of this stuff and what it might mean or what it meant when Jesus said he's a jealous God. <clears throat> I'm pretty sure everybody knows the basic definition of jealous. You know, and what would happen if you really tried my plan of celebrating the birthday <clears throat> on that other person's birthday. But jealous, according to uh, the Oxford English Oxford American Dictionary, it says, of God, demanding faithfulness and exclusive worship. Another part earlier than that is said, fiercely protective or vigilant of one's rights or possessions. That would fit right in there, because Jesus is in God. They're very fiercely protective, and they're vigilant of their possessions, which would be us, because we are bought with a price. <clears throat> Exodus 20, we in verse 2, God says, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of bondage. 
Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Just, you know, cover all the bases. If it's been created, I don't want you saying this looks like me. <clears throat> Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. <clears throat> oh, we don't hate God, we love God. We're doing this because we love God. God says, if you don't love me more than anything else, you're hating me. <clears throat> we read in scriptures God's instructions of how to worship him and how not to worship him. In the New Testament epistles of Mark, Matthew, Luke, and John, we follow Jesus' life and how he taught the, the disciples. We even see in John 13, 34, where he gives them a new commandment to love one another as he loved them to love one another. Nowhere, could you bring that? Nowhere, nowhere, nowhere could we find this happen. This is my next commandment. Go into all the world and steal the pagan holidays for my name's sake. Redeem all the pagan monuments and symbols and plaster them all over my house of worship. It didn't happen, folks. Nowhere. You can study that book. And study that book and you're not going to find it. I did, however, find these scriptures. Jeremiah 10 and 2. Thus saith the Lord, Learn not the way of the heathen, and be not dismayed at the signs of the heaven, for the heathen are dismayed of them. In Deuteronomy 5, 7 through 9, Thou shalt have none other gods before me. I'm beginning to see a pattern here. Thou shalt not make thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the waters beneath the earth. One of the things I like about God's word, it's the same. Thou shalt not bow down thyself unto them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children, unto the third and fourth generations of them that hate me. Kind of a re refresher, repeat on that. <clears throat> I think God repeated himself several times on the things that are very important to him. <clears throat> Maybe we ought to get a clue. Oh no, we love God. We love God. They're doing it because it feels so good to worship God this way. God didn't tell you to go with what felt good. Kind of warns us against that. Go with what his word says. Exodus 34, 14, same thing. Thou shalt worship no other God. For the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. Deuteronomy 4.24 For the Lord thy God is a consuming fire, even a jealous God. <clears throat> Deuteronomy 5.7 Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And I'm... <clears throat> I'm, I'm not going to... I think I've covered kind of what he thinks about it. 
They, the mainstream, and we need to always look at these things from God's perspective. When they have all the precious little children running around in their Easter Sunday best, gathering up the pretty pagan droppings, they're worshiping a false god. When they celebrate Christmas, they're worshiping a false god. They're worshiping Nimrod, Tammuz, the sun god. The thing is, we need to share that. Okay? We need to share that with, with others. All right? If they'll let us. And one of the ways to let us is we'll do it in a manner that will support their interest in learning it and not just in showing them what a bunch of dummies they are. For some reason, people take that wrong. I took it wrong when I was a Sunday worshiper. You know, we don't like being called stupid, ignorant, and pagan. <clears throat> so, if we can do it in a manner that will support and maybe even make them a little curious, I think we'll have a lot better luck. Maybe if we can get their curiosity going about, well, what is this? What is wrong with Easter? It's all about Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection. And we can say, no, it's about Easter. And she was a pagan goddess. And her worship included deviant sex, prostitutes in the temple, and just, just all kinds of stuff that was abominable to God. God has us celebrate the Passover where he saved and freed the people from Egypt. The angel of death, a real entity, killed all the firstborn in that nation. Except for the Hebrews. Why? Because they had already sacrificed a lamb in their homes and they had splashed the blood of those sacrificed lambs on the doorposts and the lintel across of their home. And when that angel saw that blood, it did not enter that house. <clears throat> it did in the Egyptians. This was the precursor to our Savior. Jesus Christ, who was cruci crucified to be the payment for all sin, one time. When they did that for, for the, in, in Egypt, every, every Hebrew household had to do that. Okay? And when they, every year, went in the, the Holy of Holies and presented sacrifice, they had to do that every year. When Christ was crucified, it took care of it. Never again did, it have to, did, did he have to be sacrificed. And he didn't have to be sacrificed in, in Israel and then in America and then in China and then in Russia. He just one time took care of it. <clears throat> and this will maybe give us a chance to explain about the three days. How you get three days and three nights crammed into Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Because three days, according to some traditions, and I guess according to 
if, if it's got part of this day and this day and part of this day, you can call it three days. And you can. You know, but you can't call it three days and three nights. Again, God nails it down several times, talking about uh, Jonah and the whale. He was in three days and three nights. They asked Christ for a sign. He said, this is the only sign you're going to get. As Jonah was in the whale three days and three nights, so will I be in the ground three days and three nights. That's 72 hours. Okay, I'm going to lean on my, I know you guys get tired of it, but my firefighting experiences, because we told time by military time. And so this, to me, helps. According to God, our days start at sundown which right around this time of the year is around 8.15, or 20.15, we would call it in the fire department. Okay, so, <clears throat> the, the, they didn't understand about when, you know, why, uh, what, what a special, what a, a high set, holy day was okay and uh, in Leviticus 23 5 and 6 it says on the 14th day of the first month that even is the Lord's Passover and on the 15th day of the same month is the fe feast of unleavened bread under the Lord seven days you eat unleavened bread I know you guys know all this and you folks out there probably and in the in Numbers 28, 16, and 17, and 18 says the same thing. Basically, in the 14th day of the first month, Passover of the Lord. In the 15th day of this month is the feast, seven days. Shall you eat unleavened bread? And in, in 18, it says, in the first day shall be in holy convocation. You shall do no manner of servile work therein. That was the holy day that they were coming up upon, they had to have Christ off the cross and in the tomb before sundown because this was a high holy day. It wasn't the weekly Sabbath. It was a high holy day. So they got him uh, off the cross and were able to put him into the tomb just before sundown. I'm going to say since they didn't have daylight savings time, it would have been more like 7.15, okay, or 1915 hours. Or we'll, we'll even, we'll say they got him in at, at 1900 hours, right at seven o'clock, just before sundown, okay. Now, what did God say, and what did Jesus say? He was gonna be in three days. You know, he was gonna be in three days and three nights. That's three 24-hour periods, 72 hours. So when Jesus was resurrected, he was resurrected around 1,900 hours. 72 hours from the time that he went into the ground, into the tomb, then he came out, he was resurrected. They don't understand that. <clears throat> but it... it and, and the, we were real lucky this year to me because this year the days, uh, the dates lined up. You know, when it was the 14th 
of the month, it was the 14th of our month. You know, every now and then, it lines up where the, the days of the week are the same. It'd be really neat to have the days of the week and the, the dates, but hey, we can't have everything. <clears throat> but, so on Wednesday evening, they got him into the tomb. So Thursday, 24 hours. Friday, 24 hours. Saturday, 24 hours. Now, on, on, I'll go a little further. After he was uh, crucified, they had, the, the day that he was crucified was also preparation day for the first day of unleavened. So they had done everything that they needed to do to be ready for, to celebrate that day. So then Thursday was the day of unleavened bread. No silver work. They had, you know, uh, worship service, but they did not do jobs. They did not do any work. Friday was preparation day for the weekly Sabbath, which is Saturday. So they went, they could, they could work. They could get things ready. They went, they bought all the spices and everything that they needed to dress the body of Christ. Got everything prepared. Got also their the things prepared for their Sabbath. It pretty much took the whole day. So it's coming up on nighttime again. But they're not going to go to the cemetery at nighttime because it's not a good place to be. You know, it's still not a good place to hang out at after dark in the cemetery. There's bad people that, that they don't have anywhere else they can live. They'll live there. It's a bad place to be. So they didn't go there that night. Had they had, he wouldn't have been there. They waited until the next morning and went. And that's why Christ wasn't there. The angel that was there at the tomb didn't say, you just missed him. <laughs> if you'd have been here five minutes ago, you'd have caught him pushing the throw a stone out of the way. No, he was gone. He was gone the evening before. <clears throat> but it's something that they don't know because it's not really covered well. The, the, the Lord's, God's holy days, the Sabbaths, the Sabbath day, it's not important to the mainstream Christians. And so we need to try to help them realize that it may not be important. to the Catholics. But it is important to God. That's why he pushes it. <clears throat> so how can we reach them in love with God's message so that they'll serve him as he wants? And we feel that's, that's why we do this. It's because we believe this is what God wants us to do because of what is worth. And because someone explained it to us. We can do it the same way that they reach out to others. Everybody here, anybody here not agree with the fact that Baptists and, and uh, others are really good at outreach and really good at helping people and really good at doing things that, that you know, people say, well, that's the Christian way to do things, right? They are. They're good at it. And they love people and they love God. And they share what they 
No, they share their experience of when they accepted Christ as Savior. They're glad to. And maybe if we would do the same thing, share our experience, share with them why we believe in what we do, not just share with them that we got it and you guys don't. No, that's not it. Because we're not the only church that's going to be there. There's going to be lots of folks there that trust the Lord and serve him. The, the main thing is to do it in love. The main thing is to reach out to him. Let him know why we feel this way. Why it's important. Because if it's not important, why bother? But if, if it's what we truly believe, and if it's what we think God has us kind of around here for, is to share our love with others and his love. You know, let them know. Share the good news, the gospel of Christ. There's one of the things that I heard when I was mainstream, and I liked it. You can't get them saved until you get them lost. If they, you know, what, uh, Luke 31, or 531. <clears throat> Jumped way ahead on you, didn't I? Jesus answering said unto them, They that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. If you're doing great, you don't have any need to change. Glenn to put glue on my paper so I couldn't... I'm pretty sure we can approach them as Paul approached the Greeks in Acts 17, 22 through 23. Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, You men of Athens, you men of Tulsa, I perceive that in all things you are too superstitious. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found this altar with its inscription, To the unknown God, whom therefore you ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you. Again, starting off with a premise, well, you're just ignorant, isn't probably going to win as much in the way of they're listening to us. <clears throat> Mainstream Christians are a lot like the Israelites that Paul talked to about in Romans 10. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel, and you could change that, for mainstream Christians is that they might be saved for I bear them record that they have a zeal for God but not according to knowledge again that's not pushed when we left our church that we attended we met with our pastor and his wife both our graduates from a well-known in, in, in that religion Bible school and we were explaining about the Sabbath and we were explaining about God said it God said you know that's what the whole fourth commandment's about remember it keep it holy I established it I established it the reason we left that church 
finally made the cut, was that we were doing a, a study about the origins of the church. I thought it was about Free Will Baptist. No, it was about the Catholic Church. And they're proud of this. They will tell you, the, the, the Pope, it was an 8th century Pope, said, the Sabbath is on Saturday. Always has been, always will be. We, being the Catholic Church, has taken on them the authority to change the day of worship from Saturday to Sunday. I have read several Catholic uh, writers high in the church that they get a kick out of Protestants because they say, they, they say, the Protestant churches say that they're only going to go by what's written in the Bible. They're not going to go by what the Pope or the priest says. They're not going to let them have the full authority of what we're going to learn. We want our own Bible. We want to be able to read it. And we will go by what the Bible says. And this article I read says, well, if that's the way they're doing it, they're kind of messing up because nowhere in the Bible does it change the day of worship from Sabbath to Sunday. So all these churches that say they're only going to listen to what God says are not. They're listening to what the Pope says because the Pope made it on Sunday. <clears throat> if we can just explain to them, we got to get our hearts right. Okay? So how do we get, how do we do that? How about we pray that God will work in us, give us the right heart, and give us the right way to speak to them and to open up open it up you know God can make folks curious he made Glenda and I curious he can help if, if we don't have God's help we're just wasting time anyway God needs to bless our work <clears throat> if you were watching someone build a building and he was going at it with gusto, working great guns. He's out there from morning, can't see to can't see, and he's working, and he's actually doing pretty good. The only problem is, is he's building it on top of a quicksand bog. But there's no quicksand there because there's been a drought there for five years, so there's no water. But as soon as the water table comes back up, you know what's going to happen. Would you tell him? Maybe explain why instead of just saying dummy <laughs> and, and walking away. You know, maybe explain to him why. Because this, is, this, is, this is actually below water level you know, to an extent. This is, a, this is a quicksand bog. And as soon as the rain comes back and restores the water table to where it should be, your house is going to disappear. They're hard workers. For the Lord. They really are. But they're lacking in some important details. Maybe we can help fill in the details. Okay? Let's try to help them in a loving way. 
if we can, to understand those details so the work they do will stand. Just think of the difference that will make.